this stuff. Hello and welcome to Play This, a podcast where two old friends recommend video games to each other and have in-depth discussions about them. I'm Daniel. And I'm Sean. And hey everybody, welcome to year 2018 getting close to stopping time. Yeah, welcome to the third annual episode of Play This that we've recorded this year, <laughs> Third annual episode you you've recorded this year. Now we <laughs> episodes have been kind of spread apart. Yeah, well, that's fair. Sporadic. Uh, yeah, doing this podcast is always interesting because <laughs> because this podcast doesn't have as set in stone a release schedule as our other one, Smashing Theory. Right. We have a tendency to be more lenient about it, and I think it really shows when. When the game we're playing for the podcast is a game we don't like. Mm, but we'll get to that later. Mm. <laughs> or a game we, you know, or a game we're not enjoying enough because then, uh, then it becomes a thing where it's like, oh, well, we've gone three weeks without recording before. <laughs> Why don't we take an extra week right. to actually sit down and play this game that we're procrastinating on, on making more progress in? Uh, how about four weeks? <laughs> However, we do plan on getting some good old, Play this content out for you guys as we near the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like this content right now that you're listening to with your ears. Yeah. So, so why don't why don't we start like we always do with some video game news? Okay. What's first on the chopping block? A uh, chopping block is appropriate <laughs> because <laughs> this is weird. Actually, the news for the past month has not been like. Things that are being added to the game industry, <laughs> but things that are being taken away. Right. So, uh, our first news article is something that I found very interesting because it's something that you don't see very often anymore when applied to titles of this scale, especially mm -hmm. titles that have been this successful. Sure. So, earlier this year, I think near the beginning of this year, maybe even near the end of last year, uh, the game Final Fantasy XV... I just released a bunch of DLC, and the DLC performed very well, so they announced a slate of new DLC that was going to come out starting 2019. Right. The first slate of DLC was, like, story DLC mostly that involved Noctis' friends, mm -hmm. um, Gladiolus, Prompto, Ignis. Right. Uh, they each got their own story chapter where you could play as them, and the 2019 slate of DLC was really interesting because it allowed you to play as some of these side characters, including uh, the main female characters right, in, the, right. uh, in the game. Uh, starting with episode, the four episodes they announced were episode Arden, episode Luna, episode episode Aranea, and it would close with episode Noctis. Huh. Uh, which, you know, felt interesting, right? Noctis mm -hmm. being the, the protagonist of the whole thing. So it kind of starts with him and then ends with him. Right. Uh, so earlier this month, Square Enix did a Final Fantasy 15 announcement stream where they're like, this stream will have some updates on, on, <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy 15's development. And, you know, there's no reason to assume that there would be any bad news. But the but the stream started, and from the beginning of the stream, they said, uh, "Episode Arden is coming out in March. Mm -hmm. It's coming out in March 2019. Episodes Luna, Aranea, and Noctis 
have been canceled. <laughs> They're not coming out. And the director of Final Fantasy XV and its DLC, Hajime Tabata, has resigned uh, effective last month. <laughs> Hajime Tabata has, revi- has resigned from Square Enix and the development studio, Luminous Productions, and is leaving immediately to start his own game development studio. <laughs> and uh, Hajime Tabata is a pr- was a pretty high-profile developer, like, mm-hmm. you know, mainly because he was the Final Fantasy XV guy. Final Fantasy XV <laughs> did very well. Right. Uh, he, he took the project over from Nomura, and it still did really well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for for whatever reason, over the past year, they decided that the development costs of the new DLC was not worth it. It would not make them enough money. And they just chopped most of it and told T- Tabata, uh, bye, buddy. Or maybe you can leave if you want. It feels kind of like a forced resignation. Right. Like, right. they didn't say we fired Tabata, but it feels like they fired Tabata. Mm-hmm. That's just really crazy. It kind of came from left field. No, that's, that's, uh, that's wild. That's, you know, it's not often that you see a company that's like, you know, doing well financially, turn around and say, hey, we're stopping development on this DLC we had planned. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, if it's if it's a telltale situation, that's one thing. You know, right. Bankrupt or whatever. But Square Enix isn't exactly a hard up. Yeah, no, they're still doing pretty well. Definitely a weird, weird surprise. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, good. You, you, you mentioned that, Daniel. Thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Like, I, uh... I was actually waiting, you know, I was waiting to play Final Fantasy 15 until all the DLC was out, right? So I could kind of play the complete experience. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to wait any long- <laughs> anymore. But here's the thing. Now it feels like even after all the DLC's out, it won't be a complete experience anymore, uh, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, I feel like Episode Luna, Episode Arania, Episode Noctis were going to add nuances to the story that made, that would give it more closure, that would give the game a better ending than episode Arden probably will. The old Metal Gear Solid the Phantom Pain problem. <laughs> hey, this doesn't feel like a complete game. Oh, because it's not a complete game. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of a bummer. I feel really bad for Final Fantasy 15 fans. A little relieved that I didn't invest in it myself right. yet. I mean, I probably will. My girlfriend bought the game for me. And I, <laughs> I played like an hour of it and then I stopped Mm -hmm. not because the game was bad but because you've got other stuff going on yeah i've got other stuff going on the game was big you know i wanted i wanted to be able to devote bigger chunks of it uh at a time sure and uh and at the time like amy wanted to experience it with me and our work schedules were the exact opposites of each other like yeah things things lined up so that that kind of fell by the wayside i i do want to pick up final fantasy 15 it does seem like it'll be a good time okay but yeah, that's fucking weird. That's yeah. just fucking weird. Very strange. Yeah. So that's that's really the news. <laughs> it sure was the news. Yeah, and and it's funny how how the news is just like non news. You know, it's right. like here's what isn't <laughs> happening. Or it's just bad news. Yeah. Yeah. So before we talk about the game we've been playing for this episode, which is Soul right. Calibur Six. For homework, which is what it's felt like sometimes. <laughs> uh we get to talk about what else we've been playing, and since it's been about a month, we've had plenty of opportunities to play other things. Yeah. Uh Sean, what what have you been playing? So the first thing of the things I've been playing is actually not even a full game. 
It's the demo for Puyo Puyo Tetris on the Nintendo Switch. Now, I'm a big Puyo Puyo fan. True. Of course, that was introduced to me as Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine on the Sega (laughs) Genesis. Good shit. Uh, You know, for some people, it might have been whatever the Kirby version was. Kirby's Avalanche. Avalanche. Yeah. He was a dick in that. (laughs) That's true. And he talked a lot. Yeah. talked a lot and was a dick. Yeah. Like, it's one of the few games where Kirby talks. He speaks English and... (laughs) Just like, like there's a there's a bunch of in the in the game's arcade mode in the game's story mode, right? Like he'll he'll face off against like you know a Kirby enemy character, and like for example, he'll like he'll see Wispy Woods, and Wispy Woods will be like, "I'm just a tree. Uh, I'm ready to make some apples," and Kirby will go, "I will step on your branches <laughs> so that your apples will fall down, and I may eat them." Uh. He he just like needlessly antagonizes the entire cast of the Kirby games. Not his best look. No. That's what he's like off screen, you know, in, in like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit version of video games. <laughs> he's like a diva who just fucks with people, I yeah. guess. But anyway, um getting back to Puyo Puyo, uh both of those games were kind of like Americanized versions, right? Yeah, yeah. Of this long running Japanese franchise called Puyo Puyo, where you have these kind of like multicolored little blobs and when you match four of them together they disappear and your goal is to kind of like stack them in such a way that you can kind of use gravity so that you do these chain clears yeah um and the bigger the combo is the more beans you dump on your opponent's side or puyos you know yeah yeah or puyos you dump on your opponent's side and so your goal is to kind of flood them with so many Puyos that uh, they can't handle it, and they and it fills up to the top, and they lose. Yeah, it's it's a pretty satisfying. It is puzzle game. To play. I'm I'm really bad at it because I'm super colorblind. Oh uh, and yeah. One thing that's nice about Puyo Puyo Tetris is that even though there isn't a true colorblind mode, you can kind of change the texture of your Puyos. Oh. So you have like really modern looking ones, or kind of the more classic look, or okay. the like Puyo Pop Fever aesthetic. Right. And some of those are easier for me to see than others, but they're still just kind of like some kind of processing thing. Where it's difficult for me to arrange the Puyos in such a way that I'll get big combos. Like yeah, when that's I my get, problem. Yeah, like when I get a big combo, it tends to be either accidental or like just through some incredible confluence of fate and luck, I actually managed to pull it off. Right, yeah. Um. So what's really nice about this game is that also Tetris is in there. Yeah. And there's a couple different modes. One is just like you either choose to play Puyo Puyo or Tetris versus someone else who has also made that choice. Yeah. Um. And I discovered by virtue of doing that a couple of times that I'm much better at Tetris than I am Puyo Puyo. Makes sense. Yeah. I actually used to have... Like, for the PSP, they did this thing called, like, PSP Minis. Oh, yeah. you could get, like, a $5 kind of, like, pseudo game. Uh Uh-huh. And one of those was just a really full-featured Tetris game. Huh. And I got it at one point, and I played it so much that I got to the point where, like, there was a mode where your Tetraminos... Tetraminos? Yeah. They would start off on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it wouldn't even fall. And I could, like, beat that mode or get really far in that mode. Oh, that's cool. And I got so good. That this this is going to sound like one of the stories that people tell to make them sound really awesome. But this actually happened to me in real life. I was at a movie and I was super early. So I whipped out my PSP and I was, like, playing Tetris to pass the time until yeah. the preview started. And a group of small children gathered around me behind me because they couldn't believe how good I was at Tetris. I, that happened in my life. I... 
I feel like if a group of adults gathered around you, that would that would make you sound cool. Like a group of children gathering around you playing a video game, that's not you sounding cool. That's that's what children do when Thanks, video games. Head. Are... <laughs> they were impressed with my Tetris skills. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to belittle your Tetris expertise. <laughs> I, the point I, is my my expectations were just raised by that I statement. See. Yes. No, the, the point is I, I, there was a time when I was extremely good at Tetris. Now mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at Tetris. And I'm glad that I can choose to play that instead of Puyo Puyo in Puyo Puyo Tetris, even though I also like Puyo Puyo. Yeah. Um, there's also a mode where, like, you start off doing one and then it, like, switches to the other periodically oh, throughout neato. the game. And that was really what I had access to in the demo. Um, right. But I enjoyed the experience. You know, it's like a well-made game. It's got that kind of, like, bubbly Puyo Puyo kind of aesthetic, you know. Mm-hmm. uh very much like, uh, you know, like a cutesy anime artist, like, chugged a bunch of food coloring and then threw up all over a video game. Like, it's that kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just seems like a well-made and entertaining puzzle game, and I could definitely see myself picking up the full version down the line. Neato. What uh, is the first thing you've been playing? So, I got to go to the Day of the Devs in California. Yeah. That was really awesome. Uh, Amy Lee just fucking took me there, and it was a really great trip. I had a great time. We talked about a bunch of the games we played at Day of the Devs in a special episode that you've probably already seen <laughs> uh, on uh on your feeds, even though technically, as of this recording, I haven't finished editing it yet. The complicated lives of Beep Boop Group staff. <laughs> Uh, but while I was, uh, while I was on the plane ride back, I did a full playthrough of the Devolver Digital game, Minute, mm-hmm. spelled M-I-N-I-T. Yeah, so, you know, it's like the word minute, but if you were a kindergartner who didn't know how to spell things. <laughs> and you know, that that's kind of, that's kind of the vibe of this game, really. Okay. Uh, so it's got this, like, kind of this low, this low tech, this... Uh, low res. Th- yeah, this low res. It's, it's got this. Yeah, it's it's got this very like eight bit like black and white pixel aesthetic, and it's kind of like a Zelda game in a lot of ways, but with a twist. You start the game by finding a sword on the beach. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a Zelda trope. Yeah, but the sword is cursed, and once you pick up the sword, <laughs> you can only be alive for a minute at a time before dying and waking up at your house. Uh. <laughs> So, like, the the conceit of the game is basically getting as much done as you can in a minute before waking back up at your house, and your progress tends to be permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, some of your progress is permanent, and some of it isn't. Right. So you, you really gotta, like, manage your time well, and as you do that, you get more upgrades, you get new items, you get, uh, you find new houses that you could like set as your spawn point <laughs> so you can explore from different like you know different mm-hmm. vantage points and basically get to see more of the map over time that's cute yeah um and like you're like a little like you're kind of like a little duck you're like a little like <laughs> you're like a little tiny duck with a sword and the game's really cool like that mm-hmm. game mechanic is really well done sure the Shades of Half Minute Hero, although they're not really that similar, you know, right. no, I, kind, of a, kind yeah. of a similar trope, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. I I see where you're coming from there. 
and the the dialogue is really charming. The game is very funny. There's a lot of great moments, like both from a both from a narrative perspective, like some funny, cute stuff happens, but also from a game design perspective, where it's like, oh, I didn't expect you to throw this at me, video game. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, I I beat the game in like an hour and twenty minutes. Okay. But like, there's there's a lot to explore. Like, I think I beat like seventy percent of the game, so. You can kind of squeeze more time out of it if you want to 100% that bitch. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, it's on the Switch. I, I played it on the Switch. It's also on PC. I think it's worth it. I think it's, I think it's a cute little game, neat experience. And yeah, a good, cute little time. Nice. What else have you been doing? I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy Tactics. You are. Right? That's one of the games that got me into that whole genre. The yeah, tactics genre. Baby. And uh, I've played it on many a system. I played it on uh, the original PS1, and then I had it the uh, PSP version for a while, War of the Lions. Yeah, yeah. And recently I've been revisiting it on mobile uh-huh. uh, on my smartphone. And it's funny because I often think of like mobile ports and releases of mobile games as being kind of second rate relative to their console cousins. Oh, sure, yeah. But this is almost like the definitive version of the game. Wow. Because it's got... The all the good stuff from War of the Lions it's got the content from that. It has the excellent translation by Alexander O. Smith, right? Uh, a dude you yeah, love, my favorite translator. Where he did video games? Did I tell you that he translated Four Two H B Scramble this year? You did yeah, yeah, good, uh-huh. good shit, my dude. But anyway, um, it's got all that. But uh, the problem with the PSP version was that there was this enormous slowdown for spell effects. Oh, so, right. like, you would cast a spell, and then you'd hear the sound effect, and the spell animation would, like, still be going, and, you know, which <laughs> is not good. Right. Um, and this doesn't have that. It all works kind of in a one-to-one situation. Oh, nice. And so there's definitely a sense in which, like, this is the most complete release of Final Fantasy <laughs> Tactics I've played, and it's on my phone. And uh, that's pretty cool, you know. That is pretty um, cool. I can't say that I'm thrilled to be playing the game with touch controls, but it works well enough. Okay. And uh, it feels just like a faithful port. I mean, I don't know. It could be that, you know, I don't know, maybe, like with Square Enix's track record, maybe it crashes a lot or something. But I haven't experienced that on my phone, I've, and uh, it's a pretty nice phone. I've heard that Worthy Lions mobile is a pretty solid port. Yeah. At least on iOS. Right. Uh, and uh, so far, you know, it has been on Android as well. So uh, I guess... Uh, if you want to play Final Fantasy Tactics, maybe get it for your phone. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, that's okay. all. Nice. Good. Yes. Good. Good. <laughs> so that is everything that we have been playing over the past month. It is. But of course, the big one, the big game we've been playing is Soul Calibur Six. Yes. A game that we decided to play together for this episode. Right. Uh, both cracking it open for the first time, which makes sense because it had just come out. That is we, true. When we made that commitment. Soul Calibur Six is a game released October 2019, 2018. October 19th. Uh, released October 19th, 2018. 2019, 2018. Hey! <laughs> Sorry. For, for PC... PS4 and Xbox One. Right. Developed by Bandai Namco Studios, like their main studio where they make their big games. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it is the latest entry in the Soul Calibur franchise, a fighting game franchise where you move around in a 3D space and right. all the characters are generally weapon wielders. The franchise started with a game called Soul Edge, sometimes known as Soul Blade, 
which had its first release in 1995. This game is kind of a reboot of the first Soul Calibur game, which is the first sequel to Soul Edge. Right. Um, it basically sort of retells the events of Soul Calibur 1, a story about a staff-wielding boy named Killick who decides to go on a quest to stop the wielder of the Soul Edge, a big spooky man named Nightmare. That is a big spooky name. And there's... uh. He fights a lot of people with weapons along the way, but not as many as you'd expect. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the game obviously isn't there for the story. Right. Um, at least the story shouldn't be the main draw. The, the main draw I was is... going to say, the, the game might be there for the main story, but we're not there for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, the main draw of the game is the, the 3D weapon fighting game gameplay, right. um, which has some additions. Like a rock, paper, scissors mechanic called reversal edge, where if you hit someone with a reversal edge technique, you sort of both go into a stance where you you each hit a button and, you know, like horizontal attacks beat vertical attacks, right. vertical attacks beat kicks, kicks beat horizontal attacks, and you just sort of try to try to guess what your opponent's going to do so you can smack them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a game that that has that is a pretty robust content outline for a game of this generation mm -hmm. it has it has two sort of single player modes to play through both a both a character story mode where you play through the main story and also play through individual character stories and a story mode called Libra of Souls where you make your own character using the character creator right and then go through kind of a kind of an almost RPG mode where you travel around on a map and you level up and you do battles that way. Mm -hmm. Uh and of course there's also the the character creator and several online modes. And I guess I guess that's really it, but there's 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 not a small amount of things to do there. It's beefy, yeah. Yeah. So I I guess uh so I guess we should do our spoiler-free impressions mm -hmm. before we jump in, but I guess one one note is that uh the story of this game is not the is not really important. No. Unless you really just want to go in completely blind and you've never played a Soul Calibur game before and you want to experience all these characters for the first time with your own eyes and hands, uh, which I cannot blame you for wanting to do. Yeah. Then, you know, we you can stop at the end of these spoiler free impressions. There's timestamps and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh but really, uh the the story is ultimately such a uh non event. Yeah, it's 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 really not the main draw of this and I think I think knowing the game's story doesn't will will not make your your experience playing through the story any worse. Right. Uh because it's not it's not really something designed to have like twists and turns that wow you. <laughs> right, exactly. You're not going to be surprised. But I guess cuz we do spoiler-free impressions, let's do our spoiler-free impression. Sean, what are yours? Sure. I um I was really underwhelmed by Soul Calibur 6 and I think that's too bad. Same. Because I've enjoyed Soul Calibur games in the past. Yeah. I think the best way that I can think to put it is that I've never played a game that had so much content that felt like it had so little content. Yes. <laughs> like there's all these different modes that you can do and obviously, you know, uh they uh they've had some thought put into them. Um, yeah. And yet each one kind of feels half-assed in its own special way yeah and so because of that 
like I would kind of try to invest myself in a game mode and wind up playing it for 10 minutes and then being kind of like, okay, I get the idea. Right, right. And, uh, you know, so I felt as though by the time I'd played the game for 30 minutes, I'd seen everything it had to offer, even though I really hadn't. Right. Just because it didn't feel necessary for me to continue exploring. And, you know, I think that's due to a combination of factors that we can get into more in depth in the spoiler area. Right. Uh, but altogether, yeah, it just felt like a very shallow experience to me, and I think that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny, like, sometimes a game with a few, like, key components uh, ends up being an experience that's greater than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. This game has a lot of components, but some of them almost end up, like, subtracting from each other in a <laughs> right. weird way. You know, it's like... Uh, it's le it's less that it's greater than the sum of its parts, and more that the sum of its parts doesn't add up to a whole number. It's like <laughs> a fraction of a game, right? Yeah, like he, <laughs> like you put a bunch of food in the bowl, and then like you look at it, and it's like, oh, I thought it'd be more filling than this. It's like when you go to the grocery store and you spend like a hundred fifty bucks, and then you get home and you're like, what the fuck did I buy? <laughs> Right? It's like, yeah, you get home and it's like three days worth of food. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that. We played this for three days and then <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we did give it more of an effort than that, obviously. Yes. But I think that's a good way to put it before we get into the in-depth discussion. Is there anything you want to add? Nah, I think it's about it. Well, then let's get right into the in-depth discussion. Again, uh, even though this is technically spoiler territory, uh, I don't think... Really, anything we'll talk about will really spoil anything. Look, the it's... story doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it's just going to be more in-depth discussion about all the game's mechanics and and the and the characters and the different modes of the game. So, uh, I guess like Soul Calibur Six is not a bad game. Like, if you're interested in it, I would recommend that you pick it up. You yeah, know? you know, I think a Soul Calibur enthusiast will enjoy them. So. Yes, if you love Soul Calibur games. Pick this up. It's it's another entry in the franchise, right. and it's got, uh, it's got like almost thirty characters. That ain't bad, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> if like you played like Soul Calibur two or three, and they're like, oh six, I wonder if that's really good. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not really good. No, there's good things about it, mm -hmm. but yeah. So I guess let's get into it. Let's let's do some in depth discussion. Sure. So maybe we should start with like the main meat of it, which is like that that one on one that fighting game gameplay, right? Which, like which the, I think the is, battle system, which I think is probably the most solid part of the game for me. Yeah, and I would hope so. You know? <laughs> right, one would hope so, but you yeah. know, yeah, by a wide margin, let's say. Like yeah, like you you can play as one of a pretty solid number of weapon wielding characters. You can do horizontal attacks with your weapon, vertical attacks with your weapon. And you have a kick button where you do melee attacks. Right. And they've sort of added some new mechanics to Soul Calibur VI. There are break attacks, which are attacks that kind of uh, weaken your opponent's guard. If your opponent's blocking a lot, you can right. do break attacks to sort of make it so they run out of guard uh, faster. Mm -hmm. There's the reversal edge thing, which is that rock, paper, scissors mode. Right. Um, that sort of, I think, adds... Reversal Edge is interesting. I don't know if it's the most amazing mechanic, but I will say that, like, every time I fought and, like, Reversal Edge got activated, it's like, oh, cool, something interesting just happened. Yes. You know? 
And I think one thing that is kind of neat and that separates it from other, because there's similar stuff in other games. Yeah. Like the most immediate parallel, I think, is probably the uh, clash, clash system yeah. in Injustice. And one thing that I like, actually, about Reversal Edge is that, you know, with clashes, it's kind of like an interruption of the match. Yeah. Where you watch, like, a short cut scene and then make a decision. With Reversal Edges, it almost sort of, like, happens in this pseudo-real time. Yeah. Where, like, you can participate in the Reversal Edge if you want, but you can also just, like, block. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can Or, or of, dodge out of the way. Right. Like, you can do other things. Um, and so... Uh, you know, it. I think that maybe it preserves the momentum of the match a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that that was generally well implemented. Yeah. The other big thing that Soul Calibur V adds is the Soul Charge mechanic, yes. which I think is probably the neatest thing, but it's also just, uh, it's V-Trigger yeah, from, from right. Street Fighter V, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, which is something that Street Fighter ganked from Killer Instinct, really. Right. The new, uh, the new Xbox One Killer Instinct. I forget what the mechanic was called in that. Uh, would it have just been Instinct Mode? Instinct Mode, yes. Yeah, yeah the, the Instinct mechanic from Killer Instinct, mm-hmm. which I think is just generally a really cool mechanic. Basically, like, to activate Soul Charge, you spend a bar of meter, and your, your character, uh, charges up and gets, uh, for a limited amount of time, they get character-specific upgrades. Right. They might gain new moves, uh, or the moves that they do have might gain new properties. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, for the duration that your character's in Soul Charge, they are better for a set period of time. Yes. And can do some really cool, wacky shit. It also kind of serves as almost like, like in anime fighters, there's often a mechanic called a burst. Yeah. Where you can kind of, like, knock your opponent away from you and that you have some room to breathe. Yes. It's similar to that. Like, if someone's really pressuring you, you know, you activate your soul charge, and when you charge up, you kind of push your opponent away. Yeah. Um, and so I use it like that more often than not. Because I was playing this character, Astaroth. Right. Big, uh, big bulky man. Right. Who's kind of very, you know, if you... His whole thing is that he wants to either kind of keep you at a pseudo mid-range with his big sweeping axe attacks, or he wants to get in and grab you and do throws. Right. And it's kind of easy to get up in his face, or at least when I'm playing him, it's very easy to kind of fluster me by just getting in and pressuring me. Right. And so it was nice to have the soul charge to be like, whoa, wait a minute, and like push my opponent away. Yeah. Yeah, so I think those mechanics do sort of spice up the regular Soul Calibur formula. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Soul Calibur formula needed to be fixed too badly, <laughs> but I think uh, I think it both manages to make it feel like a new game, and they're not bad additions. No, yeah. yeah, I won't. You know, um, I won't say no generally to uh, people throwing V Trigger in there. You know, yeah, throwing Instinct Mode in there. It's yeah. a neat thing. I'm down for it. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, so I think overall, like. The system still works, you know, the, mm-hmm. the gameplay still works. It, it's still really satisfying to, like, get a ring out on your opponent, which yes. is uh, which is a me- which is a mechanic that has stayed throughout the franchise. Like, each each level has its own boundaries, and if you knock your opponent outside of it, they usually, like, fall into a lake or something, right. or fall off of a cliff, and, and they lose that round. One thing I love about Soul Calibur is if you manage to ring out your opponent, uh, you can follow them, like, you can just run <laughs> off the cliff afterwards and right. no penalty to yourself. Like, you have free movement after you knock them away. Yeah. So most most people that I play Soul Calibur with choose to use that movement to just chase after them and fall off the cliff. 
<laughs> which is never stops being funny. Yeah, no, it hasn't. It's always really great. That's like probably the best part of Soul Calibur. Yeah. Um, which is actually, sad. Actually, like I initially like played through like some of the story modes, and in the story mode, sometimes if you ring out someone, the match will just like your character will freeze and it'll just say you win. Right. And for you know. For a second, I was like, oh no, the game's just like this now. It doesn't <laughs> let you do any movement after, after the round ends, but, mm-hmm. but no worries, everybody. The, that, that feature is intact in regular versus matches, <laughs> and it's still amazing. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know, it's, it's funny because I, like, I think the gameplay's good. I think the gameplay's solid, mm-hmm. but I, I I was kind of like, all right, I get it. Like after like a week, you know. Uh huh. And I one, can I talk about the tutorial now, or do we want to do that? Oh, later? oh yeah, the yeah. tutorials are good. Um, yeah, it's a good time to talk about the tutorial. One thing in particular that really frustrated me about the gameplay is that you know, in the year 2018 in particular, I think fighting games have gotten really good about you know, uh, servicing their fans with fairly robust tutorial options some games do it better than others but that's yeah that's true it, 20, 2018 is at least the year where companies really should be doing that more often yes like in a lot of uh you know anime fighters like persona and blaze blue and things like that yeah there'll generally be kind of like combo tutorials where it like shows you how to do the character special moves yeah it shows you maybe how they link together for combos how to knock your opponent in the air or whatever yeah yeah uh there's a lot of stuff like that injustice for instance has like kind of basic individual character tutorials that explain yeah like, this is how this move works this is when you should use it um does street fighter have yeah but they suck they're well <laughs> they're right. they're like they claim to be comprehensive and then they aren't so it's frustrating <laughs> um but you know they've, they've got something at least they they do have something Soul Calibur 6, on the other hand, like, by the time I was like, alright, I've been fucking around for a little while with these characters, it's finally time to stop mashing buttons and figure stuff out. First, I didn't think there was a tutorial at all. And it <laughs> appears that way. Right. If you're just looking at the menu, you won't find it. Yeah. In order to access the game's tutorial, you have to start playing through one of the story modes. Libra of Souls. Yeah, Libra of Souls. And then you run into somebody that's like, I'm going to teach you how to fight. And then you like do a basic tutorial. Yeah. And I learned things in that tutorial that I didn't know. Right. Because I'd been doing every mode other than that mode, going like, where's the fucking tutorial? <laughs> um, and of course, the other fun thing about the tutorial is that, like most fighting game tutorials these days, like are interactive mm-hmm. they're like you know like something will f- something will just show up on the top of the screen it'll be like to hold down the left stick to right. move or press the square button to do a horizontal attack and, mm-hmm. and then when you do it it'll light up and be like good now do <laughs> this uh you know a lot of fighting games tend to at least have that on the most basic level sure soul caliber just has uh just has blocks of text right like it like they'll, they'll just like they'll just like a pop-up will show on the screen it's like here's how you do this and this and this and this and this like it's mm-hmm. uh like basically you, you just have to kind of read a book right and then and then demonstrate that you know the things <laughs> that the book did uh in in weirdly paced intervals mm-hmm. it's and it doesn't feel super comprehensive either. Yeah. Like, by the time I was done with the tutorial, it was very much like, but I still have so much I want to learn. Yeah. You know? 
Um, and then once you've done that, you know, you might think to yourself, like, okay, that's a good baseline knowledge. I know how this game works now. But how does Astroth work? How does Talim work? You know, whatever character I'm playing as. How do I learn how to play as that character? And the way that you do that is you hit the pause menu in training mode and you read fucking novels of shit. Yeah. Like, I mean... It's not even a situation where, I mean, there is a move list that just has your character's moves, but there's also this really bizarre kind of comprehensive, like, almost short story thing that you have to read to understand the character's kind of broader mechanics. Yeah. And uh, I just feel as though, you know, in, in in the present day... There should be more than that. It should be more interactive. It should oh, be abs- easier to understand. Yeah, absolutely. If if you make me feel like I'm doing homework, right? To like to if you make me feel like I'm studying for a test to understand a character in a fighting game that I'm that I was up until this point excited to play, <laughs> you're you're doing something wrong, right? Like because I was really invested in Astaroth, you know, I I kind of. I did that for Astaroth. I really mm. struggled through it. And I learned some cool things. Astaroth's a cool character. Yeah. Um, he basically has this situation going on where he is the grappler of the game and he likes to grab you and throw you. Yeah. And he can like he can kind of throw you onto the ground and then he has an on the ground throw where he like grabs you and restands you so that you can keep throwing. Right. You know, he's got a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um and when you soul charge, he can do kind of chain throws a la solomon grundy from injustice one right where like you do you get almost like a small cut scene of like throwing the opposing character around and once i figured him out which took some time you know i was really enjoying playing him but i'm kind of a uh i like to play lots of different characters in fighting games you sure do i sure do and by the time i was done figuring out astaroth like, just looking out at the rest of the roster, it was like, I don't fucking feel like doing that again. You know? <laughs> I don't want to learn any other characters. It, that was so hard. It almost reminds me of, I remember when I was playing through Pokemon Diamond, mm-hmm. right? And I decided I was playing through Pokemon Diamond. I was like, you know, I, I really love playing through this game casually. I love catching Pokemon, uh, teaching them moves, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, just leveling them up and, and learning new stuff without caring too much about how good they are competitively. Right. Uh, but I decided to, for the first time, uh, build a Pokemon, like, like ra- raise a Pokemon with the intent of making them competitively viable, right? Right. So I got an Alakid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with some pretty good, like, natures and stuff. I EV trained him, which, <laughs> which means I fought very specific sets of Pokemon to level up very specific stats. Right. So I, I only fought Pokemon that would make Elekids attack and speed better. Mm-hmm. Um, I breeded this Elekid. <laughs> I, I breeded an Elekid with Ice Punch, right? <laughs> I, I got an Electabuzz and I got like an Alakazam that knew Ice Punch or something. I breeded them and then the Elekid had an Ice Move which it could use on ground type Pokemon, which right. is Electric's weakness, right? right? Then I then I maxed out its attack and its speed as much as I could, and then I raised it into an Electivire that that went fast, hit hard, and had Ice Punch. So a ground Pokemon comes out and he knocks it out immediately, right? Right. Um, 
that took me days. <laughs> that took me days, and I was really proud of my Electivire when I was done with it, mm-hmm. but I did not want to go through that process for five other Pokemon, so I never built a competitive team. Right, right. And uh, and that's kind of the vibe I get with like Soul Calibur, where it's like, if you want to be good with this character, get ready to read a book, right. and I, I don't want to read a book, I want to play a fighting game. And, you know, I think that, like, uh... I mean, I want to read a book sometimes, I just don't want to do it right now. Sure, sure. I think that there's an extent to which... I think part of the difficulty is that, you know, there are some fighting games that are kind of easy to pick up but difficult to master, right? Like, that's the goal, I think, when you're making any competitive thing. Yeah. Um, I think that Soul Calibur VI is both difficult to pick up and master. (laughs) Yeah. And so... There, you know, there are a lot of fighting games where, like, you know, we can play it at our level just fine and have a good time doing that. But if we wanted to, for instance, qualify at Evo, we would have to read a book. You know, we'd have yeah. to go on Dust Loop and study frame data and do all that shit. Yeah. Um, Soul Calibur Six. It feels like you have to put in that level of effort to get to a basic competency. Yeah. To feel as though you're not just like walking around and flailing your weapon around. Uh, and so. It's frustrating that, you know, that is true about the game, and the game does so little to facilitate any level of competency. Yeah. Like, it's not only, not only is Soul Calibur VI kind of a mechanically obtuse game, also, the game is not holding your hand at all. Yeah. It's just throwing you to the wolves. Yes. Like, you have to progress through story mode to get to the tutorial. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So that's how I feel about it. I I think you can read the tutorial stuff in like the library mode. Okay. Yeah, but uh but still. Yeah, it's 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 dumb. Yeah, it's still rough. Um but uh but uh let's let's talk about one of the coolest things, one of the most important things about fighting games, I think, is the cast of characters. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about those. Um so the characters uh this is a reboot, so the characters are mostly a mix of returning characters from Soul Edge and Soul Calibur One, with a uh, with a very small handful of like fan favorites. I of, guess you could of, say, yeah, fan favorites yeah. from different Soul Calibur games. Like Talium from Soul Calibur Two is uh-huh. back. Uh, Tira from Soul Calibur Three is a pre order DLC character. Zalsamel is in there. Who Zals- is later? Yeah, yeah, and he was like a Soul Calibur Three or Soul Calibur Four character. Soul Calibur yeah. Three, I think. And Zalsamel's fucking awesome. He's cool. Yeah, he's a dude yeah. with a scythe, and he's just just a real badass. Yeah, real badass dude. I like Zalsamel a lot. Me too. Um, I I don't like playing as him really, but I like his aesthetic. <laughs> no, he's a whole yeah. Bunch. He's just a cool guy, and I like watching other people play as him. Yeah. Um. So on one hand, a lot of a lot of fan a lot of favorites are there. A lot of staples are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia right. with a sword and shield. Mitsurugi with kind of a kind of a one of them long blades. I think it's a <laughs> is it a katana? I think he has a katana. Uh, I think it's so. like a samurai sword. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll call it a katana. Yeah. Uh, Yoshimitsu is there. Yeah, Yoshi- Yoshimitsu, Voldo, right? Uh, cra- crazy claw man that do the humps. <laughs> he he sure do, do he do big humpies. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Maxi with the nunchucks. He was always one of my favorites. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, he's just sort of dances around and, and really like, he's one of the characters where you can just kind of button mash and like luck your way through a match. Yes. Which uh, feels very Maxi. Yeah, yeah. And, and pretty satisfying. Kilik with his staff. Zhang Hua, who has like a, 
has like a little short sword and she sort of dances around as she right. fights. Yeah, like a, a pretty, a fairly iconic cast, I think. I think so, yeah. As a result of kind of focusing on the old cast, the game has launched with three new characters, mm. three new movesets. A character named Gro, right? Who is kind of uh, kind of an edge boy <laughs> who has like two swords that can combine into a double edged sword. Yeah, and like he his soul charge involves him like uh, taking on like a super saiyan form basically <laughs> and doing all these like crazy uh, like over the top moves. Mm -hmm. And Aswell, who's like an an evil old wizard man <laughs> who summons astral weapons. Yeah. Uh, and like a bunch of them to sort of surround him and attack you with like projectile weapons, basically. He's fucking nuts. Yeah. He was like, like there's, you know, in Libra of Souls, you create a custom character and play through kind of this RPG mode. Yeah. Um, as well was the weapon that I initially chose for playing through that mode. Yeah. And I switched it after a while because it felt too easy. <laughs> like you can just mash square and he does this insane combo where he's like spinning around like a top and summoning swords and axes are flying everywhere. Yeah. And it just felt unfair. I was just destroying my computer opponents. There, <laughs> There's a website, shoryuken.com. Right. One really cool thing they did for Soul Calibur VI is they released two different reviews for the game. One was a review for, like, experiencing it casually, and one was a review for experiencing the game competitively. Mm -hmm. And the competitive review was like, this game mostly feels balanced, but I do not understand how to deal with Aswell at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Aswell's so overpowered. Yeah, he's crazy. The third new character is uh, Geralt yeah. from The Witcher. Uh, Soul Calibur does this really cool thing that I love, actually, where ever since Soul Calibur 2, every game has released with at least one guest character. Yes. Uh, Soul Calibur 2... Uh, did the console exclusive thing where the GameCube <laughs> version had Link, uh -huh. the PlayStation 2 version had uh, my favorite boy, Heihachi. <laughs> Play this, listeners, will I get that <laughs> joke? Uh, Heihachi from Tekken, uh -huh. and uh, and Heihachi's not my favorite boy, just in case you don't also listen to Smashing Furious. Uh, yeah, no, sure aware, I don't like him, his hair is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Xbox version had both Spawn, the comic book character, mm -hmm. and a new character designed by the guy who made Spawn, uh, <laughs> called Necrid, who was kind of like a, a green orc goblin man. Right. Uh, Soul Calibur 3, Soul Calibur 3 didn't have guest characters proper, but you could make, uh, there were a few unique Character creator exclusive movesets. Ah. One for Cosmos from Xenosaga. Right. One from this, uh, one from Taira no Kagekiyo from Genpei Tomaden. Wow. And Gilgamesh from the Tower of Druaga. Like there okay. were unique movesets representing those characters, but they weren't like on the character select screen, basically. I see. Uh, Soul Calibur 4 had Darth Vader for the PS3 version. <laughs> Yoda for the Xbox 360 version, and The Apprentice from Star Wars Unleashed for both versions. Right, right. Uh, Star Killer wasn't that his name? Star Killer, yeah. yeah. And then Soul Calibur V had Ezio do Auditore. Right, from Assassin's from Creed. From Assassin's Creed. Uh, 
all really like all really neat characters with cool weapon based movesets. Mm-hmm. I really love it when Soul Calibur does that. Uh Geralt has a neat moveset. Yeah. I I have never I haven't really played the Witcher franchise. I have played it. Um but he still seems sort of faithfully put in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh his character like he the voice actor reprises the role is very clearly <laughs> that guy, yeah. you know, and he kind of has that voice where it's like Boy, you you sure got hired to do this role back when we were taking voice acting less seriously. <laughs> you know, kind of the David Hater thing. Uh-huh, right. Uh huh. Right. Like now and now you're here. You <laughs> sure are here. I I think I think his voice is a more natural fit for Geralt than David Hater's voice is for Snake. Yes. I have a nostalgia for David Hater's voice for Snake. Uh huh. No, I, I I get you. Yeah, but uh, I I think. I think the Geralt voice actor makes it work, and you kind of do hear him grow as a voice actor over the course of his performance. Yes. David Hayter, I think, kind of peaked at a certain point. <laughs> I'm s- you know, I, I think that David Hayter is a man of many talents. Yeah. You know, he has done substantial voice work. He's a script writer. Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. And the voice that he does for Snake is very much for, like, one kind of game, and the franchise kind of transitioned to another kind of game. And he was time. still doing that voice. And he was still doing that voice, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. No, I really like David Hayter, actually. Me too, he's um, cool. Yeah, he is cool. And one thing that I really appreciate about uh, the performance of the voice actor who plays Geralt in uh, in uh, Soul Calibur mm-hmm. is that when you ring him out, if you listen really carefully... You'll hear him go, what the hell, as he falls. <laughs> and it amuses me every time. Especially because what's often happening is I'm playing as Astaroth, and I'll, like, fling him dramatically from the middle of the stage off to the end of the stage. Right. And so it, like, splashes, you hear, ring out, and then you hear, what the hell, like, way <laughs> off in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> why'd you do that man right why'd you throw me bro and it's just really great yeah, that is really funny yeah but yeah he's uh you know he's got his steel sword and his silver sword just like in the games and books yeah and he also does a number of signs which are basically like spells right right uh that he kind of casts as he's fighting and uh, i feel as though you know anybody who's a witcher fan will appreciate the way that he's implemented yeah um his super move involves him like doing a sign where he sort of, like, hypnotizes the opponent for a second, and then he just goes ham on them with his Witcher sword yeah, and shit. It's neat. But yeah, the the new characters implemented are fun and neat. I I always feel kind of empty inside my soul and body when <laughs> when a fighting game doesn't have a notable amount of new characters. Three mm-hmm. seems small. Three seems like a small amount. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Like, I know, I, I always like checking out new stuff when i mm-hmm. when i sort of follow a franchise right like uh like street fighter 5 i've mostly latched on to characters that were not playable in street fighter 4 right, right. uh like birdie who technically is not brand new but he but he hadn't been playable since alpha and his move set in 5 is like <laughs> so different than his move set leading up to then you know yeah. he's like this really tricky grappler character now and he's awesome and like this this weird president man named G has a really cool move set. He's neat. Colin, this ice Russian lady, yeah, who does cool stuff and then poses sexually for no reason. No, um, I will kill you with my ice magic. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> wow, is Colin in the room? I didn't. Uh... Yes, I am in the room, and you are dead. <laughs> 
I don't know what she does. <laughs> is she like a weird Dracula? Like, what's happening over there? <laughs> I am going to suck your frozen blood. <laughs> nah. Uh, at least that seems more sanitary than just, nah. like, just drinking it warm. I yeah. guess kill off the bacteria or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. On, it, yeah. yeah, on under 40 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> right, right. Right, yeah, yeah. otherwise uh, right. you'll be breaking some health codes. You'll see in Russia we have a very healthy vampire. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know where this is going. Please move on. Yeah. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, when there's only like three new characters and the new movesets are so drastically different in feel from the old movesets, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, I think eventually when tier lists are made, I will not be surprised at all if like, as well as like double S tier, <laughs> Grow and Geralt are like S tier, right. and everyone else is like B tier or lower. You know, like they they just like they get these brand new tool sets, and they don't really upgrade the old cast in a similar way. Mm-hmm. It feels so dis uh disconnected. It reminds me actually of playing Monster Hunter World. Funnily enough, because uh-huh. you know there are a number of new and returning monsters in that game. And right. the new monsters kind of feel very fluid and have these new attack patterns. And then you look at, like, Rathalos by comparison, and he's just, like, stomping around like he did when he was on the PS1. And it's <laughs> right. like, oh, yeah, there, there's a difference here. You know, it's kind of the same feeling. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like, I both appreciate, like, the variety of designs that the cast has, even the returning cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've all been up, their designs have all been updated in a cool way. I think they all look really good. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think a lot of the redesigns are really good. Um, Ivy is still ridiculous. I, Ivy's still ridiculous, but overall they've kind of toned down the breast sizes of the female cast. <laughs> Which is hilarious yeah. when you when you look at Ivy. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the Soul Calibur franchise was kind of notorious for a while of kind of like tripling the breast size from each like game to game. Right. You know, like in Soul Calibur 2, the character Ivy, sort of this femme fatale whip dominatrix lady i uh, had large breasts yeah. uh in soul caliber 4 she had like two cantaloupes attached to her body <laughs> they were bigger than her head possibly twice the size it was absurd it was yeah. uh it, it was it was a comedy routine almost how <laughs> how fucking it it was a joke yeah. it was absolutely a joke so they're they're still too big in in six, but they're but the rest of the female cast it's a bit closer to normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, there there's definitely still some oversexualized character designs, but but if you look at those designs compared to previous games, you'll want to hand them the most progressive game 2018 award. <laughs> right, right. Which is really sad. I I yes. really I really do not want to sound like I'm patting them on the back here. Because I'm not. Uh, I got you. Yeah, it, it is frustrating. Like some some character designs will be really cool, actually, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's like there's this character Song Mina. Actually, I really like her aesthetic overall. She's got this ponytail. Mm-hmm. She's got this cool like like spear, right? Right, right. Um, and uh, and I love her personality in the game. Actually, she's one of the characters that is really like spunky and upbeat, and I like her voice actress. And then her default costume is like, hey, everybody, I'm a 17-year-old girl. Check out my underboob. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't want to check out your underboob, Songmina. <laughs> right, right. I, I'd, I'd like to pass, please. 
Uh, I know. I'd I'd like more fighting games to kind of learn the lessons that Mortal Com that mm-hmm. that NetherRealm went through. Right? Yes. They they had their growing pains. I remember that Mortal Kombat reboot that they released in two thousand nine. Yep. Uh, boy, those were stupid character designs for all the women characters. They were really dumb. That's yeah. true. But in subsequent Mortal Kombat games, you could tell Ed Boon was like, "Yeah, maybe we did go over the top." <laughs> and uh, right. And like you know, there's there's a couple characters that are uh, deliberately dressed in kind of tantalizing ways, mm-hmm. but characters that wouldn't do that, like Sonya Blade. Right. Sonya Blade no longer like has <laughs> has like has like a shirt that ends halfway through her breast. Yeah. Uh, no, she's dressed in like tactical gear. Yeah. Right. You know, that she was looks cool. Yeah, she looks awesome. And uh, and really, I think the 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 more recently another realm game gets released, the better they are about that. I think so too, and that's really refreshing to see. So I I yeah. wish Bandai Namco and to a lesser extent and to a certain extent Japan in general would kind of catch up. Yes, I agree. Any uh any additional thoughts about the characters? Um, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered some pretty good ground there. Yeah, we did. Um. Let me make sure we're not leaving any cool characters out. Any neat characters. Uh, Lizard Man isn't playable, but he's all over the game, and that feels weird, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, there, there's a couple of story-based modes. There's a couple of single-player focus modes in the game. Right. One is the, the story mode and the character stories. Right. You can, you can use that mode to sort of play through the main overarching story that starts with Soul Calibur. Uh... You know, what feels really weird to me is that the story really starts with Soul Edge, right? Uh-huh. If you're going to reboot the game, why don't you tell the story of Soul Edge <laughs> first? Maybe combine the stories of Soul Edge and Soul Calibur. Right. Because I feel like Soul Edge's story was probably kind of short. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, like, they sort of recap the events of Soul Edge and then start with Soul Calibur. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, Siegfried. I forgot about Siegfried. Oh, and yeah. and Nightmare. I really like the Siegfried and Nightmare movesets. Me big too. Sw- swing big old big swords. They're fun. Yeah. But, you know, basically, the main story mostly follows Keelik and the friends that he gathers mm-hmm. uh, as they hunt down Nightmare, and then they defeat Nightmare, and it's a very, it's the it's the most predictable story you'll ever experience. Yeah, it's like if Lord of the Rings were really shitty. <laughs> um, like, oh, I'm gathering, ah, here's, here's this friend, here's that friend, we're going on a journey to get rid of the darkness. Yeah, the, the story is not really updated or changed at all. <laughs> I mean, it is technically changed, they do find ways to add in the new character Grow, but he really, he barely does anything in yeah. the main story. And Killick, like, I wish Killick were a compelling protagonist, but I think the combination of just how generic he is and the fact that his voice actor, God bless the man, sounds like he'd be more at home in a PS1 game you know, <laughs> than he would in a PS4 game, it just combines to make him really bland. Killick feels like they're trying to replicate the whole Ryu thing, right? Uh-huh. Like Ryu is like this warrior who wants to fight and and gain knowledge and wisdom through fighting and he... And he has a darkness inside him, the Satsui no Hado, right? right? Like, Killick also has a darkness inside him <laughs> uh, that he unleashes with his soul charge mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very generic fighting game stuff. Yeah. One thing I do want to say, though, is that the, the way that the story mode is presented is actually very pleasing, or at least, like, it's very pleasing on paper, right? Each chapter in the story has 
like these gorgeous character portraits on the screen. Yes, that's true. Uh, probably like the best looking things in the game are those character portraits. A lot of care, uh, were put into those character portraits. They have, you know, the, the character portraits change, change expression based mm-hmm. on the context of what's happening. And these character portraits are, are shown with sort of this visual novel presentation. Right. Uh, and all these scenes are fully voice acted. Mm-hmm. And that's really great. Yeah. The issue is that you can pretty up the story as much <laughs> as you want, but it doesn't matter that much if the story is boring. Right. And also, you can put as much voice acting in the game as you want, but it doesn't really matter if the voice acting is mediocre. <laughs> it's like if I were to go into the office and do some boring paperwork with a really fancy pen. <laughs> you know? At the end of the day, I'm still doing boring paperwork. Yeah, I was like, ooh, I like this pen. Go click, click, click. Okay, well, now I have another three hours of this. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there there are some standouts in the voice acting cast. I guess we're kind of getting into presentation here. It's kind of hard to avoid in yeah. this segment. You know, I think really one of the big standouts is uh, Erica Lindbeck as Sophidia. Yes. It's funny. She has one scene in the entire main <laughs> story mode. Yeah. Uh, and it's just out of place as fuck. Yeah, like... Like, you just run into her, and she's like, oh, I guess blah, 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 and then yeah, she leaves. Yeah, like, like Killick's, like, sitting on the stairs in the city, and Sophia's like, oh, you look tired. Oh, yeah, I, I have a stick, and there's a darkness in me. Oh, that's so sad. I'll pray for you. <laughs> mm, something seems wrong. Something in my heart. The darkness. Oh, wrong game. Well, goodbye. Uh, and, uh... And yeah, they like they you don't even fight her. There's no fight scenes with her in the main story. Right. But like that scene was still one of the most compelling scenes mm-hmm. in the entire story mode because Erica Lindbeck's <laughs> delivery is on fucking point. There's this great scene in Wayne's World 2 where Wayne is on the way to stop Cassandra from uh, getting married to the evil producer who's stolen her away and he has to stop at a gas station to ask for directions. And uh, the gas station attendant like starts telling this story about the street he has to go to, <laughs> and he's not doing a very good job. And Wayne stops it and goes, "Can we get a better actor in here?" And like some producer like carts him away, and they bring in like Charlton Heston or somebody, <laughs> and then he does this incredibly moving story, and it cuts back to Wayne, and he's like crying. Um, that's like the Erica Lindbeck moment, you know? It's like, oh, finally, there's a competent voice actor in here. We not- brought somebody in. Not to say that the other voice actors are bad. I would say that they are competent. Right. Not much right. That's, better. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Like, you know, no, no one does an awful job. It's just that, like, everyone kind of does, like, a, a stock job, a standard uh-huh. job. There, there's no real, like, cool or emotional performances. Everything is kind of expected, you know? Right. There's, there's nothing to really... Uh, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, like, everything's so kind of... Five out of ten, like mm-hmm. on a voice acting scale, that right. like that like a nine comes in, you're like, whoa, <laughs> like she's saying she's like reading from a phone book, and you're like, yeah, 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 <laughs> wow, yeah, like, yeah, like com- she she stands even more next to sort of the the phoned mm-hmm. it in quality of the rest of the cast you compared know? to Killick, who this, the the whole storyline, he's just. It's very like I can't wait to bomb some Dodongos, you know, it's like that <laughs> level of delivery. Yeah, and then Erica Lindbeck shows up. God bless Erica Lindbeck. 
thank you for being in that game. I, I think everyone else is relatively and comparatively an unknown. Yeah. Um, and you know they 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 don't do a bad job, but yeah, again, like, I'm all for you know obviously including relative unknowns in big voice acting projects. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, let uh, let us know yeah. if you plan on doing that. <laughs> let us know where the freaking auditions are at. Uh, but I you know these relative unknowns would have benefited maybe from some coaching and from some better direction. Yes, that's that's the thing. I don't think that the people in this game were bad voice actors. Right. I think the I think the voice director was not doing their job mm-hmm. properly. And Erica Lindbeck just already knows her shit. That's <laughs> right. the way it felt. Not yeah. that like, oh boy, these all these people all sound awful. It's like it's like, boy, uh people didn't really tell them how to how to make these scenes feel emotional, huh? Right. Like, you know, they're kind of middling performances that yeah. isn't necessarily their fault. Yes, exactly. Um, I think, yeah, I think every character kind of fits their intended voices pretty well. Mm-hmm. And there are some, there are some standouts. Ivy's voice actress does a real good job, actually. She does. Yeah, that's yeah, true. She, yeah, she sounds badass. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, very like, mm mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Ivy, but like better than that. Obviously. She's, yeah, she's also like, ooh, I'm proud and British. And, <laughs> right, right. Ooh, Yugi boy. <laughs> my whip is ready for your trap card, Yugi. Look at you, my bosom. You, you might be going to the wrong, uh, wrong, uh, uh, franchise here. <laughs> no, don't you remember? Yugi Moto is a guest character in Sokka. Ah, uh, yes. He flings his cards around. <laughs> uh, I would fucking love that. He just paper cuts you. Yeah. Yugi's in Jump Force. I'm looking forward to that shit. No, that should be cool. Yeah. The the story mode, ultimately, like, really underwhelming. There's yeah. individual character stories as well that you can play through that sort of give everyone some background. And, uh, and those are, those are a bit nicer. They feel mm-hmm. a bit more personal. Some of the, some of these smaller personal stories they tell actually are really interesting and cool. Yeah. Um, and I should say also that, as a guy who likes good-looking menus, they're laid out, all these stories, on this really cool kind of timeline yeah, grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can see exactly when in fake-ass Soul Calibur history it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was really neat, I thought. I liked that a lot. Yes, yeah. That that was a great bit of presentation, and I dug that. Yeah. Yeah, Song Mina's story actually was like, was like a cool like little self-contained story about a girl, you know. Uh, leaving her village to sort of prove herself, and that was okay. that was nice, you know. Yeah. Gro's story is very, very grim, dark, and try hard, and very <laughs> yeah. like, oh no, the darkness inside me. Uh, but it's I'm still the ultimate life form, <laughs> chaos control. But it still had kind of a cool side character that's like his best friend, right? That that Gro decides to conceal his darkness from, uh-huh. and then his friend finds out and fights him. But then supports him, you know that whole archetype. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's still done well. It's always a nice little thing. Ooh, good voice actor, not grow. I mean, grows grows fine. Yeah, but good voice actor as well. Yeah, as well's voice actor is is great because like I don't know if I would call it good, but he is he is so he delights so much yeah. in his over the top delivery. He's into it. Yeah. yeah, you you can tell how much he loves voicing this. This fucking cartoonishly evil character. Uh, he's almost like, he sounds like Kefka with a beard. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. he sounds like goatee Kefka. And, uh, and he does a great job. That is true. Yeah, he does a fantastic job. But yeah, ultimately, 
story mode was a very pretty, but man, a very pretty mode that ended up being weirdly bland. Yeah, the Toyota Corolla of uh, of modes. I know what that means. Uh, you know, it's like the car that everyone and their grandmother gets when they want like a nice, bland but reliable car. <laughs> yeah, which I, I just I do think that's a shame because man, the the art, yeah, the art in these story modes is some of the best art I've seen. In, like, fighting games, you know? You know, you know, like, it has so many of the trappings of a great story mode, and then the story just isn't very good. Yeah. Like, everything else about it is kind of cool in its own way. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's kind of funny, like, Street Fighter V has the opposite problem, right? Like, <laughs> like I'm kind of into the story of Street Fighter V because it, it embraces how over-the-top and stupid it is, uh-huh. and, and it does some really fun stuff. Sure. But the, the individual character stories especially in the first couple seasons, yeah. have character art drawn by Bengus, who is generally a very talented uh, artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can tell that he he had to draw so many pictures on such a short deadline right. that they all look like he sketched them out in like 10 minutes apiece. <laughs> right. uh, and they look bad, like all yeah. out of proportion and really rough. So it's kind of a shame that so much care has been put into this story mode's presentation mm-hmm. And I don't care about the story itself. I, I agree. Yeah. So weird. Such a weird disconnect. The other mode is Libra of Souls. Right. Where you create your own character and then sort of go through like an RPG style map mm-hmm. where, uh, where as you travel on the map, you fight different NPCs. Sometimes, sometimes they're major characters and Soul mm-hmm. Calibur lore. Right. Uh, Zalsamel has kind of an important presence in this. Uh huh. And, you know, you can collect new weapons. It's very much like a mode from Soul Calibur 2 that's called Weapon Master Mode, uh, but it has cutscenes and dialogue and stuff. Right. There's even kind of a mechanic where occasionally you can make some pivotal, you can make some major decisions that sort of tip the scale towards your character being good or evil. Uh-huh. Right? And, uh... Sounds great on paper. Great on paper. The thing is, the cutscenes, again, don't... The cutscenes in the dialogue don't evoke any feeling from me either than wanting them to be done with faster. Yeah. Like, like it's funny, like, it's like, hey, take this mode that everyone liked from Soul Calibur 2, add cutscenes to it, <laughs> A+, plus. let's swim in that money, baby, let's get that bread, <laughs> that Soul Calibur bread. But uh, then you're almost sitting there like, I wish they hadn't added cutscenes <laughs> to this. <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes cutscenes are worse. Right. Uh, yeah, it's... Because the cutscenes, they they feel kind of hammered out. They feel mm-hmm. kind of phoned in. They don't add to the experience. Like, yeah, even the the ability to make decisions on what person, like, and on what your your character's ultimate alignment ends up being, I would rather just not have that. If I could just do the RPG map mode with minimal <laughs> amounts of ten minute long yeah. dialogues. Where, old, where eventually I'm just kind of mashing X because I get it. <laughs> also, this is a dumb reason to dislike a, a mode. And I didn't get as far into this mode as you did. Right. So it could be that this changes. When you make your character, you're just stuck in this dumb suit of armor. And I kept waiting for, like, you know, maybe I'll unlock a new suit of armor or something. And yeah. it didn't really happen. Right? Did you eventually uh, unlock any new? I didn't. No. Yeah. Yeah, that was shitty. 
Yeah, like, like, I didn't want my character to be in that dumb suit of armor. <laughs> I wanted them to have their own look and just yeah. walking around in a dumb suit of armor the whole time. Also, what's weird is that there is a separate character creation mode, which we are about to talk about. Right. And when you start Libra of Souls mode, you have to make a new playable character from scratch. You cannot mm-hmm. import any character you've already made, and you cannot import the character that you make in Libra of Souls into your other character creator folder. <laughs> right. They are completely separate from each other, yeah. even though they both use the same tool set. And uh, it's kind of infuriating. I like, I, I made one of my OCs for Libra of Souls, <laughs> and I feel like I wasted her on Libra of Souls because I couldn't just move the basics of that over. You know, yeah. I, if I wanted, if I wanted to make her in the regular character creator, I'd have to do it again from uh-huh. scratch. Really bizarre decision. Yeah, very strange. But yeah, but basically, Libra of Souls, very cool, very ambitious idea, but ultimately, like, doesn't doesn't really hit the notes that I want. And, yeah, kind and, of bogged down. Yeah. It, like a lot of the modes in this game, cool concept, underwhelming execution. Yeah. The cherry on top of all that. Let's talk about the character creation. Yep. The character creator. So I think this was the part of the game that Sean and I were anticipating the most. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like, we were both really excited about this. Soul Calibur 3 and Soul Calibur 4's character creators were, back then... Some of the best character creators in video games. Yeah. The options were so robust, you could do so much, you could make so many different kinds of characters, you could replicate so many existing fictional characters and, like, their their fighting styles in Soul Calibur, right? Mm-hmm. When I got Soul Calibur 4, uh, and I've talked about this on Play This before, I made the entire cast of Thundercats, <laughs> and they all felt and played great. Yeah. I, I made the entire weapon-using cast of Avatar, mm-hmm. uh, the last airbender, of course. Of course. Um, not the shitty James Cameron movie. <laughs> the the James Cameron movie that I really liked while I was in the theater and then had no desire to ever see again at any point in my life for the rest of my life. It's like the Smallville problem. <laughs> <laughs> you were really into Smallville when you were watching it. Oh, yeah. Way. And, <laughs> like, yeah, I binged the first four seasons, <laughs> rewatched them, like, three times a piece, because, like, I got my friends into it, I got uh-huh. my mom into it, <laughs> and and then, like, while I was waiting for season five, like, per, like perspective just, like, sunk in, I'm like, wait, this show's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I haven't watched any Smallville since then. Right. So, yeah, the, the character creator was truly impressive with four. It was just so much fun to make characters. Mm-hmm. Uh. Soul Calibur V even sort of added some stuff onto that by sort of giving you the ability to sort of make shapes and sort of put them on the character and right. and use that to make make costumes that are even more accurate to to certain fictional characters and mm-hmm. stuff. So Soul Calibur VI comes out and it has a character creator and that really we're really jazzed about that and it's just. The ten-year-old character creator from Soul <laughs> Calibur four and five. Right. Yeah. It's like they there's no advancements. They they didn't add new quality of life stuff to it. Mm-hmm. It's just that character creator again. It even feels like it has less costume yeah. options than before because they're probably saving some of them to release as DLC mm-hmm. as part of the season pass and. The, the character creator is still still good, you know. The, like the character mm-hmm. creator, you can still do a lot of cool stuff with a character creator. Yeah. But the thing is that character creation in video games 
has made so many advancements since Soul Calibur Four. Right, it's really right? evolved since that. Yeah, you've got you've got Black Desert Online's right. character creator, like even stuff like Attack on Titan Two had sure. a like. I feel like there's a lot of character creators out there that have taken all the cool stuff that Soul Calibur Four could do and improved on it. So you'd think that the guys with the Soul Calibur Four character creator would also do that. <laughs> um and the amount of advancements are very minimal and underwhelming, the yeah. word of the day. One thing that really frustrated me in particular was that there it seems like there are a lot of costume pieces that either just clash horribly with each other in terms of their design or they literally like you can't equip them oh, at the same yeah. time. Uh-huh. Like uh I was often very frustrated when I would try to make female characters in trying to, you know, take outfits and, for want of better phrasing, make them less slutty, you know? <laughs> like, and one thing that I thought was going to be the solution to all my problems is there's a pair of, like, kind of high-waisted hot pants. Right. And so I thought, like, this is great. You know, I can dress this character, like, in this kipau. And instead of her having to flash her underwear every time she slightly moves her leg, I can have her wear these hot pants. And she'll just kind of have, it'll be like Chie with the bike shorts under her skirt. Right, you know, or like Sakura. Be some protection there. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they clip with fucking everything so badly that the game won't let you equip them and a lot of that stuff at the same time. Yeah. Like, you try to equip it and they'll be like, you can't equip this and that at the same time. Do you want to remove... Like, no, I don't want her to not wear anything on top. <laughs> the goal is that I'm making these outfits safer and I can't. Yeah. You know, like... And there were so many situations like that where it's like, oh, I really, the combination of this and that is going to be so great. And then you just can't combine them or like you combine them and you can see the fabric of one piece sticking out of the other piece and it just looks bad. One thing that is absolutely bullshit that is still a thing in a character creator in 2018 is that the costume options for male characters are different than the costume options <laughs> for female characters. Yes. So I was making Francisca von Karma from the Ace Attorney franchise. Uh-huh. Francisca von Karma is kind of dressed like a fancy fencer. Right. Uh, right? Like, she's dressed like a fencer. Like, she's got that, that cool little, like, handkerchief on the front of her, like, mm-hmm. of her suit. Right? The sort of ruffled, uh, yeah. Yeah. And there is a costume in Soul Calibur Six that fits that aesthetic perfectly. It's uh-huh. got that same frill up front. The, the rest looks like, you know, kind of a kind of a classy suit it's like oh francisca von karma would wear this in a heartbeat but she can't because it's only a costume piece for male characters i had to dress francisca in this different kind of fancy thing <laughs> that that worked enough i made it work mm-hmm. but like i i made it work with some effort yeah no, I you, like, you I, did a good job with with her with the tools that you had yeah you know, for sure she had ivy's moveset because of the whip of course yeah I, I am pretty proud of Francesca, actually, but... She, I think she... Well, your pan throw was really, really, really good, but <laughs> I think Francesca was your second best. Right. I So, we can talk about some of the characters we made. Right. So, yes, I, I remade pan throw, which I did do in Soul Calibur 4, and actually, I like the pan throw that I made in Soul Calibur 6 even better than the <laughs> pan throw I made in Soul Calibur 4. Right. I... One thing I will say is that the voice options are really good. Yeah. There's a lot of different voices to choose from. You can change their pitch in a lot of in a variety of ways and of course you could still do this in four but they've at least increased the voices i think mm-hmm. so like 
I, I managed to find a voice and change the pitch so that he sounds exactly like fucking Panthro. <laughs> and, uh, and I gave him Maxi's moveset. So he's swinging the nunchucks around. Uh-huh. Um, I was able to use the, like, add elements to him. So he's, I colored him blue, but then I added like a patch of white right. to his, to his chin and then another patch of white to his chest. So he looks like Panthro. Yeah. Uh, from Thundercats. Go ahead and look up Panthro. If you don't know what I'm talking about, because I was alive in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he, he was really satisfying. I think he came out really well. I made a Shulk from Xenoblade Chronicles. That's, that's fine. I think I did an okay job with him. Yeah. Uh, my, I'm trying to do Chibi Robo, but he looked awful. <laughs> he looked really awful. I just like pasted a white cylinder onto him and then like another smaller white cylinder onto his face. Right. And then like I gave him Voldo's claws and like if you do enough damage to him, his cylinders just come off and then he's just a naked silver man running around. Um, <laughs> But uh, you you made you made I think a couple fun characters. I did, yeah. I made a couple characters that weren't just like my OCs. Right. Um, yeah. I I did a couple <laughs> of my OCs too. Yeah. I I made Guybrush Threepwood. Ooh, yeah. Guybrush was um, great. Using actually the chest piece that you wanted for Francisco but couldn't use. I, that's fucking right. <laughs> yeah. And I gave him Raphael. Is that his name? Yeah, Raphael the fencer. Yeah. I gave him Raphael's moveset, so he was all ready to insult sword fight. That went really well. Yeah, that's, that was really excellent. You did a great job with Guybrush. Thank you. And uh, the other character I made is actually Labrys from Persona 4 Arena, <laughs> who is one of my favorite characters in fighting games. <laughs> so much so that Daniel, either for Christmas or my birthday one year. Christmas. Christmas. Gave me, like, a scale figure of Labrys. And so when I was making her... I just set that figure on the coffee table and used her as a reference. And uh, she came out really well as well, I think. I'm glad um, my gift worked out so well. I'm glad oh, you yeah. got so much mileage out exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, I gave her Astroth's moveset. So really, whenever I've said, oh, I was playing Astroth, I was playing Labrys. <laughs> uh, that's actually what was happening there. Yeah. One one great feature and also kind of an annoying feature at the same time that Soul Calibur Six has is... Uh, I think, I I don't think you're really able to do this in Soul Calibur 4, but in Soul Calibur 6, you can use the network to, like, go online and uh, yeah. look at everyone else's, like, you can look at other player-made character creations mm-hmm. and download them, Yes, right? And that by itself is an amazing feature. I downloaded about 80 different characters. <laughs> I downloaded Shrek. I downloaded Aqua from Kingdom Hearts. Uh-huh. I downloaded Dante. I uh, I downloaded Magikarp, <laughs> um, which someone took like a. Vo- if you haven't seen this, it's amazing. Someone yeah. took a Voldo move set and uh, and and like you know you just see a bunch of orange and white on on this Voldo character, right? But uh, but Voldo does this thing where like he he like gets on his back and then he like he like humps upwards and like flops around <laughs> and basically so made it look like when Voldo was doing his weird humping animation, it just looks like a magic harp flopping like a fish on the floor. It's very much like if you've ever seen or just seen pictures of the kind of puppetry slash body art that they do for like the Lion King on Broadway. <laughs> you know, it's like if you could tort yourself into this particular shape, then you look like a gazelle. Right. It's kind of the same thing for that magic carp. Like normally she's like, what the fuck is that? But then when he gets into that stance, it's like, oh my God, that's a magic harp. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really great. Th- so that's a really cool feature on its own. 
but the navigation for it is so bad. Yeah. So, like, you go to the network, it starts you with a character, and you can press R1 to go right, and you can press L1 to go left. And you go right, you see another character, you can download them or not. You go to the right, you see another character, you can download them or not. You cannot, say, hold R1 <laughs> to go several characters forward. Mm-hmm. You cannot hold L1 to go several characters back. You cannot look at a variety of characters just on a menu and select right. the ones you want to look at. You you have to look at them one by one, scrolling to the right or left. If you find a character you like, you download that character. It brings you back to the. It brings you <laughs> back to your menu of right. your downloaded characters. So you go back onto the network. You start with usually that same character at the mm-hmm. very beginning, and then like, okay, so I went four to the right to find to find that one character I downloaded. So to to look at any new characters, I have to go five to the right uh-huh. and then keep moving. And there's a long loading time every time you click R one. Yep. And boy. Boy, worst navigation in a 2018 game by far. It's like a metaphor for the whole game. <laughs> like, neat concept executed in a mediocre way. Yeah, and and some sometimes the characters you can browse through in that way are refreshed. Right. So, like, you know, you can see a variety, a big variety of, of new characters, but you kind of, like, have to, you, have, you, you, like, you look at 20 you you wait for half an hour and then you can look at another twenty <laughs> right uh, without driving yourself crazy yeah yeah oh man I just there's so many cool features in this game but some of them feel impl- a lot of them feel implemented in such a slapdash way yeah you know you can tell that like uh you kind of get a vibe that the Soul Calibur team was like okay fighting games in 2018 are expected to have this feature this feature this right. feature this feature let's include them all what's our budget. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Let's do all these things while spending as little money doing them as possible. Right. They want a character creator? Alright. Port, port over five, five's character creator. <laughs> port it over. Okay, great. Um, any changes? Nah, let's not worry about that for now. Um, I guess we should have like a network feature. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Any, yeah. Can we hire the guy that made Netscape Navigator and have him do the character, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what what's his rate? Five dollars an hour. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, but here's the worst fucking part. Here's the worst fucking part of this whole game. Okay. So Sean and I each made our own sets. Oh god, yes, this. We each made our own sets of playable characters on our own profiles. Sean made some character created characters on his profile, I made some on mine, and then we went, alright. We ready. We made a bunch of cool characters. <laughs> Let's get in versus mode and go head to head fighting each other with each of our, of our character created characters. Right. It's going to be fucking great. So we go into Sean's profile. He picks his character created characters. I log in as a second player with my own profile, uh, which by the way, usually works in fighting games made in this generation. For yes. example, in Injustice 2, like Sean will be player one. As his username, I will come in with my username as player two. He gets to pick his playable character, uh, and use any loadout that's assigned to his username. Then right. I pick a playable character and use any loadout assigned to my username. It's doable with the infrastructure of the PS4 and not 
impossible. Right. I, I, I shouldn't say it's not hard. I don't know how game development works. Sure. And I shouldn't be that, that ignorant and misinformed. But at the very least, we know that it's possible and it's, it's done in other games. Yes. So in Soul Calibur 6, Sean picked his created character. I opened up the created characters tab while I was logged in as my username. And lo and behold, there were Sean's characters. <laughs> you cannot, if you're playing locally and you're sharing a PS4 with your fighting game enthusiast friend, you cannot use your character created characters to fight his character created characters. You have to pick, you have to pick a username and make all the characters on that username and then you can fight each other. Which is less bullshit and more elephant shit. <laughs> like just the worst. Like, and maybe this is now a very specific problem. Maybe we are like a 5% minority that have experienced this frustration. But what a frustration it was. Yeah. So we, like, we got into versus mode. Sean picked Guybrush. I opened up, I opened up the tab to find out that I could not access my characters, even though I was logged in as the username where I spent hours making cool characters. And then I opened that up, saw Sean's characters. We both looked at each other. We closed Soul Calibur 6. And to this day, we have not fought each other in versus mode <laughs> in Soul Calibur 6. Right. We've, we've experienced the rest of the modes. I've played a lot of online verses. So like, you know, like I've, we've experienced verses just not with each other because it's so disappointing to not get to pit our characters against each other. It is. That's the point of making custom characters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, if I were going to rate this game, like, a 7 out of 10, that experience would bump it down to, like, a 5 out of 10 for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I getcha. Yeah. So, just a warning to anyone considering picking up Soul Calibur Six to make a bunch of cool playable characters and fight your friends with them. Put it all on one username. Don't yeah. make the mistake that we did. And by the mistake, I mean, don't assume that uh, this game developer did things that every other fighting game developer with a character creator does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's probably the angriest I've been at a video game this year. Well. you It's second place for you because you hated Evo Land. I was angry the entire time I played that game. <laughs> You didn't hate Evil Land. We didn't hate Evil Land. No, but uh, but I disliked it more than I disliked this game. Yeah, that's fair. But okay. Uh, hopefully we haven't shit on this game too much. Yeah, it's like it's fine. Yeah, like it's it's not a bad game. We did have fun with it. I, I if just, you like Soul Calibur, I don't think you'll regret purchasing it. Yeah, and if um if you wanna. If you're trying Soul Calibur for the first time, I think you actually might dig this game also. <laughs> right. I, I think <laughs> I think this is just going to be kind of an underwhelming purchase for lapsed Soul Calibur fans that haven't played in a couple of games mm -hmm. and want to see how the series has advanced. Right. Because it because in spite of all the changes and all the upgrades, it feels like it hasn't that much. Yeah. It's like that story you've told in at least three episodes of various podcasts now, Sean, where where you dropped Pokemon after gold and silver, uh -huh. and then you came back to Diamond and Pearl and decided that it hadn't advanced enough. And I have told that story several times. Yes. Yeah, it's it's like that. And even after playing Soul Calibur V, I barely played Soul Calibur V, to mm -hmm. be fair. 
it it feels Soul Calibur Six feels that way to me a bit. Yeah, I get you. Um, I I guess it's a good way to transition into final thoughts. I'm not mad at Soul Calibur Six. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I think that's the main way I can uh-huh. put it. You know, like it does a lot right. It does a lot right, but it it does a lot half right. It does a lot seventy percent right, and it's such it's so frustrating that none of these things are 100% right because they'd be so satisfying at 100%, but we have to deal with all of these things at 70 instead. Yeah. And on on one hand, that makes me really frustrated. On the other, uh, Soul Calibur Six was successful enough and it did well enough that this makes me optimistic for like a Soul Calibur Seven down mm-hmm. the, like, you know, seven years from now, I think they'll be like, you know what? People like Soul Calibur. Let's give the next game a bigger budget and really focus on advancing all this stuff. Right. I I think Soul Calibur is in a good position to evolve. It just it's just in a pupae state right now. <laughs> right. It just hasn't evolved yet. Yeah. Soul Calibur six is the metapod of Soul Calibur, <laughs> and I just want it to be a butterfree. I getcha. I getcha. What are your final thoughts? I think that uh a diehard Soul Calibur fan coming to the breakfast table might look at the glass of orange juice that is Soul Calibur Six and see it as a half-full glass. Like, there's enough mm-hmm. there to satisfy someone who is really into the franchise. Yeah. You know, there's a fairly robust story mode. You might learn some new things about characters that you didn't know before. Yeah. Uh, Libra of Souls is going to be fun if you're somebody who really likes Soul Calibur. And, of course, the core gameplay itself is there and arguably better than ever. Yeah. Uh, if you are someone like me, who is kind of a fair weather Soul Calibur fan, you might reach the breakfast table and see it as a half empty glass. <laughs> you know, you might feel as though a lot of these uh, areas of the game are not up to the standard that you've expected because you're someone who's maybe a little better rounded and who's played other fighting games or other games. But I think that the point is that no matter what kind of person you are as you are coming to that breakfast table, that glass of Soul Calibur Six orange juice is still 50% to capacity, <laughs> and I wish that there was more orange juice and less pulp there. <laughs> Very well put. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I think one, like, one last note I'll make is that uh, Soul Calibur Six has been very fun to watch played on a competitive level. That is true. It's kind of the Dragon Ball Fighters effect <laughs> where like, well I mean I, I you you like that game a little bit more than I did, I think. Yeah, I yes. I didn't like that game very much. Uh but it's uh, they're both very entertaining to watch pros play. Yeah. And I think that especially, you know, these new features like having the super moves in there and stuff, mm-hmm. it just makes it that much more exciting to see on a big stage played really competently at a professional level. Yeah. So that is definitely true about it. Yeah. Like, I I, th- I think in a lot of ways, Soul Calibur 6 is a good game. It just wasn't a good game for us. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's really going to be the most satisfying for diehard Soul Calibur fans and diehard competitive fighting game players. Yes. Yeah. So if you're either of those kinds of people, drink that OJ. Slurp, slurp. Dib, dib, dib. <laughs> <laughs> so those were our Soul Calibur 6 thoughts. Uh, we're about to let you guys know what we're going to be playing next for the podcast. But first, I think you guys would like to know that uh, we've consolidated our podcast into a podcast network. Yes. It's called the Beep Boop Group. Beep Boop. And the Beep Boop Group has a Patreon. 
Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beep boop group. And if you go there and support us, you can get a bunch of cool shit. There is an exclusive podcast on there called Beep Boop Soup, where Sean and I basically just like talk about what we're doing, our favorite stuff. And we uh, we revolve that concept around soup. Right. We we call the things ingredients. We mix them all together in the end. It's sort of a, a horrifying Frankenstein. It's just kind of a really contrived way to learn more about us. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it boils but, down to. But, but it's fun. If, if you like no, our di- Yeah. If you like our dynamic... I think you'll like beep boop soup. That's, I, yeah, that's the bottom line for sure. Um, and uh, and the more support we get, the more projects we will get to continue to work on. Uh, we have an idea for this podcast called Jam Cram Slam, where in a really short amount of time we learn hobbies and games and and crafts that we've never learned on a competitive level before right and then enter a tournament for them <laughs> um and report back with uh, with how we did and I'm sure we'll have done really great uh <laughs> given those criteria <laughs> right and all sorts of projects like that can be funded with your help um yes. you you can get stuff like that for a dollar a month yeah. and that's that's pretty cheap I've eaten shitty burgers. I was gonna say for way more. Yeah, like it's the cost of some cup noodles, you know. Yeah, and like you know, the the more you give us, the more benefits you will get. You can get a special thanks at the end of every episode for twenty bucks. And if you really want to give us like two hundred fifty dollars, you can sponsor our more popular podcast, The Smashing Theory. Right. If anyone wants to sponsor this podcast for cheaper, send us I'd, a DM. Yeah, I guess. yeah. I'd, I'd I'd love to I'd love to hear about right. that. And maybe I've I've been presumptuous and not offering that right now, <laughs> but yes. I either way, um, whether or not you support us on Patreon, we still really love that you're listening to this podcast in the first place. Absolutely. The podcast itself will remain free, as will the Smashing Theory. And just thank you so much for listening. Either way, uh, whether your support is via giving us a listen or messaging us on Twitter to tell us how much you like our shit, or giving us that sweet sweet dollar bills. <laughs> Whatever it is, uh, it makes us so happy, and we feel so loved by you guys. Thank you. Agreed on all counts. So, we have two things to announce for Play This uh, and its future. Uh, The next episode of Play This will be Sean and I teaming up to play Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. I will be getting Let's Go Pikachu. Sean will be getting Let's Go Eevee. Mm -hmm. And we will play, we will both play through that and come back with our thoughts. My girlfriend, Amy Lee, will be joining us for that episode. Yes. With her perspective on Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. I think this will be a really interesting episode because Pokemon Let's Go has already proven to be a really divisive (laughs) entry in the franchise uh, with a lot of different thoughts about it. So I'm, uh, I'm actually really excited to to find out what I think about it and what Sean thinks about it and what Amy thinks about it and bring our own our own perspectives to the table. And just to show how divisive this game already is, I'm not that excited to do that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm diving in anyway, and I'm going to give the game an honest try. Sean is an incredibly good sport, and I'm very grateful for him as a co-host. <laughs> I'm at least $60 of a good sport. <laughs> Plus tax. <laughs> uh... However, something else we are doing after the Pokemon Let's Go episode is we are also doing another episode where the game we play will be recommended to us by you, our listeners. Yeah! We are doing a listener recommendation episode 
2018 edition. Uh, now, what we mean by that is, so we're near the end of 2018 now, and what we want to do is try to play more games that came out this year, so we'll be more informed when we make our Game of the Year deliberations in January. Right. So, uh, we would love to have your help on that. We're looking to play any game that had its first full release in 2018. Uh, by full release, we mean games that have had their 1.0 release this year. Right. That means games that are not in early access. Mm -hmm. That means games that are not in beta. And that means full games, not demos. Right. Uh, by first, we mean that the, that that 1.0 release has to have had come out for the first time this year. Which means that, like, if it came out, if that full release came out on another platform in 2017 or earlier, we're not considering it for this listener suggestion episode. So, like, Hollow Knight, which got a Switch release in 2018, but came out for PC in 2016, would not be eligible. Right. But, uh, but don't worry, because we already did an episode about that. We loved it. Or Max and I did. <laughs> Sean. I'm sure I would like it, too. I think you would. Yeah. I think you would. We plan on doing a, a little bonus mini episode in between now and the Pokemon one where we go through all the games that we've played this year to better inform your decision mm -hmm. and also because we think that'll be fun. Yeah. But don't let that stop you from sending in suggestions like right now. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, if it's a game we've played, we'll just let you know and you can send us another suggestion. Yeah. Uh, and last, last time we did listener suggestions, we ended up taking two games. We played Psychonauts and we played Hollow Knight. And those were really good suggestions, yes. both for incredibly different reasons. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what games you guys suggest to us. Agreed. We, there's so much that came out this year that we have not played. We haven't played Dragon Quest XI. We haven't played Red Dead Redemption 2. Right. We haven't played some really critically acclaimed indie titles like Return of the Obra Dinn and Cultist Simulator and uh, CrossCode. And those those are all fair game for recommendation. Don't feel like it'll be unoriginal of you to suggest those just because I said them out loud. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love an excuse to play Red Dead Red. I'd love an excuse to play Red Dead Redemption Two, for instance. Yeah, like we we won't know if it's uh, if it's a good idea unless you tell us it's a good idea. Yeah. So, so we're, we're stupid. <laughs> we're so <laughs> dumb. Uh, but also, obviously, you can you can send in any suggestion for a initial full 2018 release we will look them over and we will read our favorites on the podcast and then we will select one and move with it yeah yeah oh please email us at feedback at playthispodcast.com or you can send a tweet to play this podcast on twitter or you can leave a post or comment on patreon.com slash group if you are a patron and we will read all that shit and pick our favorites. Yeah. And if you live in Chicago, just go to the roof of your apartment and scream. <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll hear you. Sean has exceptional hearing. I'm like Superman. Except never lifts me up and flies me through the, the streets of Metropolis. Right? Also, I've never tried to pass myself off as a mild-mannered reporter, even though I'm ripped and seven feet tall. I actually am almost seven feet tall. <laughs> He's almost seven feet tall. I'm not ripped. You ripped your pants that one time. That's true, but not because I'm I was fit. <laughs> <laughs> Did you rip your pants at any point? Yeah, recently actually, I bought 
This is so dumb. <laughs> I bought a new pair of jeans, and then I went into work, and I was filing, yeah. and the pants were a little tight, and I knew they were, but I went down, I, like, squatted down to file something really low and i just hear like like my pants they just ripped like from the top all the way down my ass basically and so then i i like slowly stand up i sigh to myself i like sidle back into the office and i say to my bosses i need to tell you something and they're looking at me like like oh my god is he gonna quit or something i just said like i just ripped my pants I know that it happened. You don't need to tell me about it because I know that it's there and there's nothing I can do about it until I go home. So I'm just going to sit down and we're going to pretend that that didn't happen. And then tomorrow I'm going to come in in some new pants. And A, they thought it was hilarious. And B, they were really sporting about it. You know, they like we held the office meeting inside of our office instead of the conference room so that I wouldn't have to get up. Right? Like, there was a bunch of filing I still had to do. They let me wait until the next day. Um, but I actually did rip my pants recently. I can't believe that, A, I was kidding, and this happened within the last month. <laughs> I did not know about this. You never yeah. told me about this. And, B, I, you're a fucking cartoon character. Your entire <laughs> pants is ripped. No, for you real. Bent- <laughs> yeah, for real. And it wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't even like the fabric tour. It was literally like the seams, just like just like all the way down, came undone oh. because of the pressure of my ass. Well, so I'm not Superman. So thank you for uh, listening to play this. This has been Daniel and his co-host SpongeBob. I uh, ripped my pants. <laughs> well, that's pretty Mr. good, Mr. Krabs. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Maybe that's like, we were talking before the podcast about how Daniel has to kind of like say like a mantra as a character yeah, right. before he can start voicing that character. Oh, SpongeBob. Right, exactly. That's like he does that before he can do Squidward. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my thing. My, my, that's how I get into SpongeBob. I ripped my pants. <laughs> that one was a little more sinister. Yeah. Mr. Krabs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Bob, you're gonna murder me finally. I ripped my pants with this knife. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. No! <laughs> <laughs> We're so down. Uh, Good night, everybody. Wait, say the thing. Oh, oh, that's right. Um,. Mr. Krabs. <laughs> no! <laughs> it's dangerous to game alone. Play this! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye! Game over. Special thanks. Yeah. Special thanks to Lonald. Thank you very much, Lonald. Thank you to Nymph. Thank you very much, Nymph. It, it sounds like you're banging Nymph on the side. I'm like, not. Like you're, like you're, you're kind of winking at Nymph. It's like, thank you for supporting our podcast, but also thank you for that sex we had on the DL. I am friendly with and respect Nymph, but we have had no sexual 
But have you had uh, sexual Senate interactions? Absolutely not. <laughs> What about sexual house representatives? I, I'm so bad at politics that I, I can't really make this stupid joke. Well, I mean, you have named, you know, the two uh, parts of the Senate. So, well, no, you haven't, because first you said... No. I'm tired. <laughs> Thanks, Nymph. I'm not banging you. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Amy Lee, light of my life, fire of my loins. Nope. I, I fucking I that's from like Lolita th- yeah that, that's from Lolita uh, Lolita's super gross and everyone I actually quote it um, uh, thanks baby I love you uh, we we did a funny thing for both Amy Lee and them so Lonald uh, I I love the way you play board games man I love that pie that you made for uh our friend stephanie's birthday no that was fucking fantastic yeah uh thank you for supporting us with patreon support and pies yes double whammy these patrons all backed at the special thanks tier uh that's why they're getting special thanks (laughs) uh which is twenty dollars or more if you'd like special thanks from us then back us at that tier and we'll Say embarrassing things about you too. Yes, I will not, however, insinuate that I've had sex with any of you. <laughs> I don't know you that well. Wink. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>